grace, mercy, and peace unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The questions that the, that the, the, questions that the disciples ask in our gospel reading for today may, we may think as silly, but it does bring with it a reality of living in our simple world. While the disciples were disputing among themselves time and again who was the greatest among them, um, we, on the other hand, spend our lives comparing ourselves to others. And the result is that we either boast of ourselves being better Christians than others, resulting in pride, or we see ourselves and how unchristian we really are in our words and actions in comparison to others, resulting in despair. Nonetheless, this question that the disciples ask begins what's known as the fourth discourse, that is, the fourth major block of teaching that Jesus speaks in the Gospel of Matthew. The question, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, is, a, is as much of a question that we grapple with today as the disciples did among themselves. From this question will come the teaching, will come teaching on how we are to live, think, and act toward one another. And so the first thing that Jesus does in answering this question for the disciples is that he gives them an object lesson. He puts a child right in the middle of them, right in their midst. This child could have been as young as an infant, but certainly he was not hitting puberty yet. Jesus puts this child in their midst and says to them, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Christian, the Christian faith is something that even a young child can believe in. And they believe it as a child believes things, right? Children have a faith that seems innocent and simple. It's not a great rational faith. They don't have all the answers. But it's a faith that holds fast to the truth that it believes. The one who is humble and faith, like a child, enters the kingdom of heaven. Jesus says, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And certainly we all enter into this faith as children. No one enters this faith in having all the answers. No one comes to this faith able to do any great works or great deeds. The one who is new to faith is like a newborn infant. They're not going to be leading any Bible studies necessarily anytime soon or take on any major responsibilities at the church, but they will receive the Word of God and be blessed by it. They will grow and be strengthened in faith over the course of time as they hear the gospel again and again and again and again. We all come to faith and receive the promise of eternal life as children. For many of us, we were baptized as children, yes, and even as infants, right? We were brought to the waters of baptism by our parents or grandparents and were baptized in those waters of which the seed of faith was planted. And we were brought back just as any new believer. We were brought back time and again to hear the gospel week after week month after month, year after year, as we grew. We all receive this faith as little children, no matter our age. 
the whole church is certainly great in the kingdom of heaven, when we do not hinder others to come to, to this faith as little children. Jesus continues saying, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever, whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to sin, it would be better for him to, put a, to have a millstone fastened around his neck and be drowned in the depth of the sea. And here Jesus begins to grab our attention a little bit, right? Especially with the, la the last part there of being drowned in the middle of the sea with a millstone tied around our neck. But the point that Jesus begins to raise here is that the children are not great because of anything that they have done. Those who believe in him are not the greatest of the kingdom of heaven because of themselves. But rather, Jesus himself is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven because every time that the church baptizes a child, every time that somebody converts and the church receives the person, they receive Jesus himself who has saved that person. The greatest in the kingdom of heaven is Jesus, who is the founder and perfecter of our faith. After all, he is the only one who never sinned, right? Jesus continues saying, who, Woe to the world for temptations to sin. For it is necessary that temptations come, but woe to the one by whom the temptation comes. We are tempted to sin all the time. We even have the, nat the natural inclination to sin and satisfy the desires of our flesh. And this is the reason why we pray in the Lord's Prayer, lead us not into temptation, because our sinful flesh leads us to temptation easily enough. We are able to find temptations on our own, but we rely on the mercy of Jesus to deliver us from evil. We each have our own temptations that we face each and every day. For one, it can be the temptation of spreading gossip. For another, it's pornography. Another, drinking. For another, ridiculing someone else. We all have temptations to sin, and the biggest temptation of all is thinking that what we are tempted with and the sins that we struggle with and the sins that we commit are not as bad as the temptations and the sins that someone else commits. In fact, we sometimes like to be around others who are tempted in sin like we do. And as a result, we are not of any support to those who are tempted in sin in other ways. But when Jesus brings this issue up regarding temptation, he is reminding us that he has indeed resisted all temptation to sin and that one who constantly resists the temptation to sin and struggles with sin is indeed great in the kingdom of heaven because Jesus has overcome all temptation and all sin for him. When Jesus says, it is better for you to enter life crippled or lame than with two hands or two feet to be thrown into eternal fire. He is not telling you even to dismember yourself, but rather he is encouraging you to resist temptation because it will be his hands and his feet that will be pierced for the forgiveness of sins. Salvation will not be earned because 
we did not sin. But it is received through faith in Christ, who committed no sin, and was the atoning sacrifice for all to be forgiven and enter heaven. And that's the reality that he came. He came to seek the lost. He came to save us. We who could not save ourselves. Jesus continues saying, See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the ninety-nine that never went astray. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we ought not despise our neighbors, and we ought not despise our brothers and sisters in Christ for being in different places in their faith than us. The Spirit is working through the preaching of the gospel, calling all to faith as little children. He continues to go out seeking the lost to bring them home. And he does so by calling us all to repentance. And certainly the call to repentance through the, is a blessing that is given through the church. That is to say, through your brothers and sisters in Christ who know God's word. Jesus says, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault, between you and him alone. And if he listens to you, you have gained your brother. How many of us, how many conflicts do we allow to remain among us simply because we do not want to have the uncomfortable conversation of how we have sinned against another? We would rather pass the buck to someone else to have that talk and maybe even have the pastor handle the conflict uh, between two individuals instead of handling it first among ourselves. When someone comes to me with a conflict, normally the first thing I do is ask them, well, have you gone and talk to them? And I'll certainly listen to the frustration and anger and disappointment, but I will not handle anything until two have tried to work it out among themselves. Because what I've found is that Jesus' words here are wise. That if two simply were to just have the conversation, the conflict normally will get resolved among them in a peaceable manner. But there are instances where we cannot work it out among ourselves. And that is where other Christians in the church can play a role in facilitating reconciliation. The one who is great in heaven works toward reconciliation. That is the forgiveness of sins and rejoining of people together in God's presence. And there is only one person who can do such a thing. For where two or three are gathered in my name, Jesus says, there am I among them. Jesus is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven because he has reconciled us with God and our neighbor. He did so by humbling himself and dying on the cross so that our sins may be forgiven, so that reconciliation may occur and that the lost may be found. 
There will come a day when there will not just be two or three that will be gathered in his name, but many. And you have received him as little children, living as his witnesses here and showing love to your neighbor will be joined with him, who is the greatest of all in heaven. For we cannot compare to his mercy and love that is perfect to save us all from sin and death. And in comparison to this world, we will be truly free to live as his children forevermore. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. In the peace that passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.